at the end of the day, when we are feeling anxious, when we are experiencing fear, it's because we think we are in danger. So we need to go to that part inside of us, to the root, let's say, and give it that love, give it that safety that it longs for. This is Luca Menares, and you're listening to the Solo Female Trailer Podcast, the show dedicated to empowering and inspiring women to embrace the unknown and travel on their own terms. Through a mix of solo episodes and guest interviews, you will listen to stories and insights from women around the world who have embarked on their own solo travel adventures. Hi, and welcome to a new episode. Today, we'll be discussing two topics that affect many of us while we travel. These are anxiety and survival mode. Our guest for today is Anais. Anais is the founder of Serene Minds and an international certified neuromindfulness coach who specializes in anxiety and stress management. As an internationally certified mindful travel coach, Anais also helps fellow expats and digital nomads navigate their journeys. With her vast international experience and endless curiosity, Anais inspires, empowers, and guides others along their inner path. And Anais, I am very excited to be here with you. And, you know, you were one of my very first guests and... I just can't believe how far both of us have come, and I am super excited to have you here again. Thank you so much, Lou. Same goes for me. I am very excited to be here. Thank you so much. It's so beautiful to see both of our journeys and our progress and to have both of our progression and our purpose and our journey. So thank you so much for having me. It's beautiful to be back. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for, for being here and for being there the first time where I have no idea what to do. I actually, as I <laughs> mentioned to you, and I think this is important to mention in the episode that I was so nervous because, again, you were one of my very first ones and you just came like so peaceful and you created <laughs> such a peaceful space. And I was like, OK, this is actually it's going to be really good. <laughs> so thank you so much yeah. for that. <laughs> thank you so much. So I want to start the interview by asking you if you can share with us any personal experience you have had with anxiety while you were traveling and also how you were able to overcome it. Mm, absolutely. So the moment that pops in my head instantly is when I traveled solo abroad, but for the first time to another continent, and it was to South America. And I was extremely excited. I was going to Argentina, to Buenos Aires, meeting my friends, but still I was solo. And I remember it started actually in the plane. So up until that point, I was really excited. I was kind of nervous, but also there's a side point that I want to mention that having this these nerves, feeling nervous or feeling fear can really look alike. So it can quickly shift from being nervous, being excited for your trip to, oh, the fear sets in and just one thought of worry pops up and the excitement just shifts towards fear. So I remember sitting in a plane, really excited, comfortable, relaxed. And all of a sudden I had this realization of, 
what am I doing? I am sitting in a plane that's going so far away from home. I'm completely in alone. I also didn't really share my itinerary with someone. I was like, so a lot of thoughts were just chasing through my mind. And in that moment, you're in an airplane. So you only have yourself. You cannot get some fresh air. You cannot go somewhere. It's just you on your seat. So in that moment, uh, what I did was returning back to my breath, returning back to myself and calming myself down. And the moment when I got into my hostel that night, I had another sort of anxiety attack. So those are the two things that come across my mind when you ask me this question. And this anxiety attack was way worse than what I experienced in the plane. So really, I was laying on my hostel bed and I just felt this urge, this panic inside of me. What I did then to cope with it was I went on Inside Timer <laughs> because then I, I was really, you know, still discovering a lot of different types of meditations and coping ways. And I did a technique that now I teach to people, which is really tuning into your body, noticing where you are feeling the sensation of fear and imagining it's alive, imagining it could talk to you having a bit of conversation with it. So asking it, hey, what is wrong? Tuning into this part and imagining it's your inner child. It's you as a little child, or it's you, it's the version of you that gets super stressed out. Like imagining it's become alive, basically. So giving it a voice, you can give it a name, you can give it a certain look. And then having a bit of a conversation with it, but on a really friendly and kind way. So asking it, what do you need? What can I help you with? What can I give you right now? And in the end, the most important thing to soothe it and to give it love and to make it feel safe, you know, at the end of the day, when we are feeling anxious, when we are experiencing fear, it's because we think we are in danger. So we need to go to that part inside of us, to the root, let's say. And give it that love, give it that safety that it longs for. So that's what I did back then. And it was just so incredibly powerful. So it was really a starting point for me to also dig deeper into, wow, why was this so powerful? <laughs> what did this do to me? Wow. Okay. So the first time you felt this was in the airplane. And at that time, what your intuition told you was to, to breathe, to use your breathing as an anchor for you to feel good and being able to keep going and then the second time you the second time when it happened at the hostel you went into inside timer can you tell us what that is yeah absolutely so inside timer is a meditation app it was for a lot of years my holy grail <laughs> still is i still use it and now i'm a teacher on inside timer so it's full circle moment and it's beautiful to see this and yeah, and inside timer, you can find a lot of different types of meditations, yoga, music, etc. Um, got it. Got this it. is not sponsored or something. It's just like sharing <laughs> my my experience. Um, yeah, yeah. That's a disclaimer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> got it. And I really love what you said about. Once I heard someone say something along the lines that you should invite your fears for a coffee. So yes. So just sit with them, go through them and have a conversation as if you were having a conversation over coffee with a friend. So um, I think that's such a great strategy because you are kind of like separating the fear from 
who you are. So it's like, this is not me. It's part of me, but it's not who I am. So it shouldn't define me in this moment. So I I think that's that's beautiful. And and also, how were you able to identify that you were having these anxiety attacks? Um, what I want for you to share with us is that how can we identify we're having either anxiety attacks or if we are in survival mode? Because we hear a lot about these terms, but what do they actually mean? Mm, that's a really good question because I also struggled for a long time not knowing what was going on and not knowing what were the symptoms that I was experiencing. So it really also differs from person to person where you hold your anxiety and your stress. For me, it started um, when I was about 17 years old and I was nauseous a lot of the time and even throwing up like a lot of the time, even at school or you know, my parents were divorced and every time I was shifting from one parent to the other and that night I got up super nauseous. And so it was really on the stomach for me. I went to doctors because I didn't know what anxiety was. I didn't know what stress was. So they asked me, are you stressed? Are you anxious? Because this could have to do with it. And I told them, no, I don't know. <laughs> I'm 17 years old. I don't know what this word means. <laughs> I'm just going to school, living my life. But after so many tests and examinations, turns out there was nothing physically wrong with me. And it was in my head. It was psychologically. It wasn't physically. And it was the anxiety. So for me, that's an indicator for me. Like, okay, I'm anxious. I have a knot in my stomach. My stomach starts turning. But I remember for others in mindfulness class, they were having severe headaches. And that was an indicator for them that they had gone too far and that they were anxious and overthinking and that they needed to come back into this moment. But now after learning a lot more about it, I can tell you that there are several symptoms of anxiety and of being in survival mode that people really can watch out for. So you can really be mindful of these. So as I mentioned, the headaches, the tension headaches, when you experience these, know that it's usually coming from stress it can also be that you're feeling really irritable, that you're feeling really tired, um, that you snap easily, that you don't really feel like yourself. These are symptoms from being in a survival mode. You are completely drained because your body is using so much energy to either help you fight, flight, or freeze. Mm -hmm. And this is like your reserve battery and it's just going empty so fast. So it can really feel like you are super drained and tired a lot of the time. Um, so tension, headaches, feeling tired, irritated, snapping easily, just feeling tense and feeling like you you should hurry a lot of the time, feeling like you're not really able to slow down well. A lot of people who have difficulties with relaxing, difficulties with slowing down, it's because they have been in a survival mode for such a long time. And the body thinks that resting, that being at peace is now dangerous. So there's such a resistance as well to resting. So if you notice as well, wow, it's really difficult for me to relax and to slow down. Could be that you have been living in survival mode for a long time. Wow. Now regarding, <laughs> yes, that's really powerful. You know, our body is speaking to us in many ways. And this is what you could recognize 
with the survival mode symptoms. And so you have fight, flight, and freeze. So they both have a bit different symptoms, um, but you can also shift and you can change. So don't take it too with too much detail, let's say. If you experience one of these symptoms for a long time, look out for yourself and take care of yourself. And it could also mean that, you know, for example, in freeze states, which is maybe a lesser known state. Most people talk about fight or flight, but in freeze, this is what happens when you are a bit of a shock. And when you are, for example, crying, when you're more immobilized, when you don't really know what to do. And this can also happen when you get triggered by a thought or an email or a text or, or your flight being canceled, you know, like something that has a heavy impact on you. Then you just freeze and you get a little bit of a shock you can get also headache, lightheaded, feeling dizzy. So those are like the symptoms from being in survival mode. Now yeah. shifting on the anxiety. The anxiety is more a feeling of fearing what could happen in the future. And it's like an onset going of symptoms. So it can mean, for example, excessive sweating, like sweaty palms, because you're nervous, right? What I talked about earlier, like we feel nervous, it can shift into this fear. So sweating, your heart rate goes up. It's the same for in survival mode. Your heart rate goes up, your blood pressure rises, your breathing gets more shallow, gets more rapid. So if you notice, oh, and this is what I have a lot of people come up to me for. Oh, I notice my breath is shallow. Sometimes I even skip a breath or I hold my breath. And I feel like my breath is so high in my chest. And I feel like I'm having trouble breathing sometimes. So this can be survival of um, a sign of survival mode or a sign of anxiety. Um, your breath is really powerful. You know, when you're sleeping, your breath goes really slowly and deeply that means that you're in a relaxed state. When you notice your breath is more high instead of in your belly, in your chest, and it's more fast, shallow, then you can check in with yourself and realize, okay, I'm now a bit more stressed. So how can I relax myself more in this moment? Got it. Um, yeah. And so some other signs of symptoms, I said, it's, it can be in your stomach, you know, the knot in your stomach, um, the sweating, the constant overthinking and worrying. I think that's the biggest part of anxiety. It's this little voice in your head. It's telling you, hey, what if this happens? What if that happens? And the constant worrying about the future. Wow. Okay. So that's why it's so important to get to know yourself and like to need it with your body because we all show different symptoms. Actually, I'm going to share something that happened last year I was having several anxiety attacks and I was just trying to ignore them like it's it's okay I'm going to get better I'm going to get better and even there was a point where I was 30 back then and I got my wisdom teeth when the dentist back when I was a teenager told me no you will never get them because they are in certain position they will they will never come out I was just avoiding the feelings of anxiety and burnout that I was having that just my body just was like okay here are your wisdom teeth and, you know, just so forcing me to rest. And also one way that anxiety manifests in my body is my my lower back. So these are things that I also, I had to like tune in with my body and learn what the signs are. So um, very important. And then also very important about the breathing because we, breathing is something that is so important and we don't 
we don't really pay attention to it. We just do it so automatically that when something bad is actually happening is when we pay attention to it. But we should pay attention to it all the time because it's vital. We are alive because we're breathing. <laughs> so Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so... um yeah, and also about the survival mode. Um, when we're traveling, we're like exposed to so many new stimulus that, you know, it's sometimes unavoidable to get into survival mode. But, you know, we we get used to if we, you know, turn into our body and, and breathing and, you know, meditate, which leads me to the next question, which is how can we prepare ourselves emotionally and mentally before embarking on a trip to avoid failing into survival mode mm, yes i think one of the most important things you can do also mentally is to realize what is about to happen what are mm. you about to enter you are about to leave your comfort zone right you're about to leave the comfort zone of your house of your home of your city of your country whatever it is and you're exiting your comfort zone you're exiting your, your comfort zone, which means you're going to get uncomfortable. <laughs> and outside our comfort zone is the fear zone. So that is why we experience often, you know, we, we shift into survival mode. We experience stress. We experience anxiety because we are entering the fear zone. Hmm. In the fear zone, all of our fears, all of our, all of the things that we dread, or that we think that could happen or would happen, they rise to the surface. It's our job to stay with our head above the water, you know, and to, to minimize the impact that our mind has over us, that this anxiety within us has over us. But the good news is, outside of the fear zone, it's not just comfort zone and fear zone, but there's also learning zone and growth zone. So when we move through the fear, when we allow ourselves to sit with it, to ask it questions, to, to calm ourselves down, to practice relaxation techniques, to practice being present, because when we are fearful, when we are anxious, we're with our minds in the future. So when we're back in the present, we are at peace. So when we go through the fear, we end up in the learning zone and in the growth zone. So it's really about being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And it's extending our comfort zone. That's what we're ultimately doing when we're traveling. And how we can prepare ourselves, you know, mentally, emotionally, is realizing that this process is about to happen. It's about to go down. So have a bit of a toolkit for yourself of, okay, what can you do? Who can you talk to? Who can you reach out to? What can you do for yourself in that moment? to write down your thoughts for example take a journal with you this was one of the things i love doing when i'm traveling i take a journal with me and i just jot down all of my thoughts everything that i'm thinking onto paper from my mind onto paper or you know practice relaxation techniques if you notice that you're shifting often in this fear state or having somebody that you can reach out to that you can say contact with because this connection also is really important for us to know that we're not alone and to, you know, talk to someone. We're social beings as humans. Got it. Okay. You know about journaling, also connecting it to what we said before about sitting with your fears and having a conversation with them. I also really think that when we write them down, we give them a physical body. 
So we, yes. we take them out of our minds because if we let them in there, they're just going to grow, grow and grow. But let's just take them out, like bring them to the physical realm and then just realize that they are just thoughts. And something that I always yeah. say is that it is always worse in your mind. So it's not... Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So if you, when you take the time to be fully present, which is that is anxiety, too much future and not too too much present, um, when you take the time to be present, you're like, okay, you know, I have these and I'm safe, I'm here. So let's just mm -hmm. let the future unfold. Um, I mean, okay, we have to think about the future, but not like overthinking yes. it to the point where it's damaging us. So, yeah, exactly. It's about what is in your control and what is out of your control. So yes. this is also a great thing to journal about. Um, and it's an exercise I, I do often with my clients. It's like, okay, draw yourself. Now draw a circle outside of yourself. In the circle, write down everything that is in your control. And outside of the circle, write down everything that is out of your control. And it sounds so simple, but when you do it, you're like, wow, it's a huge shift in your perspective and you can give less heaviness, less meaning, less focus, less attention to those things that are outside of your control because you realize there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it. You cannot control your flight hours. You cannot control if it gets delayed or canceled. You cannot control anything from the outside happening to you. The only thing that you can control is your reaction to it. 100%. That's such a powerful exercise um, when we realize that, you know, we can only control what is in our control. Sounds so simple, but it's so powerful. Um, yes. And Anais, so how can we practice self-care and mindfulness while well, we are on the road to alleviate these signs of anxiety and stress? Hmm. That's such a beautiful and important question. because we need to have a bit of a system set up for us, like a bit of a toolkit, as I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Like what are some ways for you to help you feel good? And not in a way that distracts you from your thoughts or not in a way that avoids it or numbs it or suppresses it, but in a way that you create inner safety for yourself, that you create a safe space for your thoughts, for your emotions to be there. And that's really practicing self-care. Self-care is not just, oh, let me do something completely else to distract myself. And then later when I go to bed, here comes a full load of all the thoughts and all the things that I suppressed. It's really being able to sit with yourself, love yourself through it. And again, like you mentioned, having your fears over for a coffee. So it can be different for lots of people. But definitely the main things that I would recommend to practice self-care, um, to be comfortable within the uncomfortable is to start watching your breath and take longer exhales if you feel like you get really anxious and overwhelmed. Because as you said, our breath is vital. It keeps us alive and it's a constant energy exchange. We breathe in oxygen, we breathe in energy and we breathe it out again. The longer we breathe in, the more energy, the more oxygen we breathe in. So the more energy we gain. So if you want to wake up in the morning, <laughs> take long in inhales and short exhales. But if you want to relax, it's important to 
be mindful of this energy exchange and exhale more air, exhale more energy, right? Let go of more energy than you breathe in. So a great way to start doing this is to the 4-8 breathing exercise. So breathe in to the count of four. So you're breathing in four seconds of energy of air and exhaling eight, exhaling the double. So it means you're letting go of twice the energy that you're breathing in and you will feel the effects in your body, the calming, the relaxing effect. So breathing is, you know, it's a free tool. It's available to us all. It's constantly happening. And we can also sort of, you know, manipulate it for our good. Take long exhales, relax our body. This sends signals to our nervous system that we are safe. So breathing is a very big one, very important, and it's easy. And even if you don't feel like, you know, manipulating your breath, let's say, and taking long exhales, and you just feel like not doing anything, you can even simply watch your breath. You can simply watch your breath. And it has the same impact. It puts you out of the stress and anxiety mode or out of the overthinking spiral. And what happens in your brain, really simple, you have the part that's linked to stress and anxiety, the amygdala, right? It regulates our stress, anxiety. When we put our focus to our breath, the part in our brain lights up that's linked to our self-awareness to our emotional regulation, to logical thinking. It's literally you turning the lights on in your brain and the amygdala deactivates the second you just watch your breath, just bring your attention to it. So for anyone who's listening and is new to this, simply watching your breath and focusing on how it flows in and out is already a really powerful practice that you can do to practice self-care. If you're in a taxi, in an airplane, no matter where or with who you are, even when you're around people, no one will really notice. Um, And again, practicing the mindfulness. And the mindfulness can be done in many different ways. And when we are traveling, it's actually easier to be mindful because we are in such a new environment and our brains automatically pay more attention to what's happening around you. And that's really ultimately mindfulness. It's like being present, taking in all of the sounds, all of the colors, what you can see, what you can feel, what you can hear, taking it all in and be present. So using your senses to ground yourself in this moment. So being mindful doesn't mean to be sitting in a quiet room with your eyes closed and just like trying to meditate and no? (laughs) No, no, not at all. Not at all. So basically mindfulness is such a big term. Meditation is just one of the aspects, one of the ways we can practice mindfulness. Mindfulness really ultimately originally means paying attention to what's in front of you right now. Like me paying attention to you, to our conversation, not being on my phone, not doing anything else, to eliminate distractions and bring your focus to what's happening right here, right now. Yeah, you can absolutely practice mindfulness with your eyes open when you are eating. You know, when you're eating abroad, you're discovering a new culture, notice what you can really taste. You know, often we are eating and we forgot about what you ate this morning, what you ate yesterday. We, we forgot about the whole experience. So it's really bringing your attention, bringing your awareness to what's happening. And it's wow. really simple, easy, and it is easy to do, right? It doesn't take a lot of effort. The only thing that it takes is remembering <laughs> to do it. 
That's true. That's true. And and you know what? You were mentioning this. One thing that came to my mind is that, and actually you are in Bali right now. You live in Bali right now. I was there like four years ago. And one of the things that surprised me the most um, when I was around Balinese um, people is just like how mindful they are, like how present they are and how connected they are to to their people and their culture and their rituals. And um, like, for example, I live in a big city, but people that live in the big cities or different countries, there is this tendency to always be in the future, like being thinking what's next and then only like responding to all the different stimulus that come from everywhere. And no wonder why so many people feel bored out, feel anxious and are in survival mode. Um, so, you know, when I travel to these small islands or small towns, just how present and yeah. connected people are. And um, also, I really like the the part of breathing where you're breathing in energy and exhaling energy as well yes. so if you want energy just take a deep breath and sure exhales and but then when you mm -hmm. want to relax just do the opposite so that's a beautiful analogy so also Anais how can travel it actually be beneficial for our mental health and well-being and feel free to to share some personal stories here with us oh yeah definitely you know so as I mentioned earlier travel is really like getting comfortable with the uncomfortable expanding your comfort zone and when you are traveling when you're exposing yourself to these new places new people new languages what you're doing is you're building new connections in your brain you're literally expanding your brain and I think that most people don't know what the real value of, of traveling is. You know, you get to discover yourself. You get to spend more time with yourself. You get to build this, you get to build this inner safety within yourself. And you get to create deeper connections. You get to know what you dislike, what you like, and just going out there all by yourself, you know? So it's incredibly powerful for our confidence, for our own soul let's say for our own being to get out there and connect with our true selves and while in the meanwhile you are creating new new connections in your brain and your brain is exposed to more novelty and studies have shown that this increases your happiness levels so really traveling makes us happier which i guess is no surprise <laughs> for you as well it makes you happy, right? It's it's addictive. That's why we keep going back. That's why we are both living abroad. <laughs> it makes us happy. And that is, I think, the ultimate benefit and the ultimate proof that you're going to have that traveling is good for you. It allows you to be more in the, in the moment, as I said, because you are paying more attention to what's ahead and in front of you. So you are being more mindful. Whether you know about mindfulness or not, you are being more present and more aware. When you meet somebody new, your attention goes to what they're saying, how they're looking, and you're taking it all in. Yeah. When you visit a new place, right? Definitely the, the brain loves novelty. And, you know, now we we know there's scientific evidence and it's been for years that there's something called neuroplasticity. So actually, yes. actually your brain changes with new experiences. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's incredibly potent for us. And travel opens up new doors for you. 
you know, it, it allows you to gain new perspectives as well. So when you return home, you have this whole other view on the world, on a certain culture, on yourself. You come back enriched. Is there any personal experience about this that, especially the part about gaining new perspective, is there any moment that you can recall right now that you were like, wow, I had this way of thinking about a certain situation? You know, I travel, got exposed to new ways of doing things, and now I have a different way of thinking about that. Oh, definitely. There are a few moments that pop up in my mind, but the very first one, let's say, that I remember is I went to do my internship abroad. I always said, no, I'll do my internship, you know, in the country where I studied in Belgium uh, because, yeah, I'll be working there. So what's the use of going abroad? But then I had such a pivotal moment in my life. You know, it's the usual story. A breakup follows <laughs> and you get to discover yourself again. So then I, I went abroad on this internship And my intention was to return back to Belgium to start my life there. And I didn't end up going back. Basically, I ended up moving abroad and I ended up moving abroad for four years even, which I told people I was just going to stay one year. So when I come back home, I feel like, wow, I've been able to let go of the expectations that other people had of me of the expectations of how my life should go, of where I should work, what I should be doing, where I should live. You know, all these incredibly big things in our life, I was able to let go of that because I went out of my comfort zone. I went away from this place, literally. And I allowed myself to explore what I want, explore what I like. Turns out I like to live in a warm climate. And unfortunately, Belgium is not a warm climate. <laughs> Or, you know, it turns out I love to be around people, as you say, here in Bali, who are really present, peaceful, warm, open. And I'm not trying to say anything negative about Belgium, but I just felt at home the last years in Portugal, where I lived. Now I'm in Indonesia. And it's just these places calm for me. So it's really just being able to let's say, turn down the volume knob of other people's opinions, expectations of you, turning up your inner voice, your inner wisdom volume knob and tuning into that space. And I think that's what travel has really enriched me with. And it's a really funny story. The same thing happened here in Indonesia. I had the expectation when I came here, oh, I'm just going to stay for a holiday for two weeks. It's been five months ago and I'm still here. <laughs> so it's like just letting go of the expectations. And we think we have a plan. We think we can control the future. We think it's all set in stone, but it is absolutely not. And so also knowing that everything and anything can happen when you're traveling. That's, That's true. also such such a big thing for your mental health as well. It's not being stuck. It's not this fixation of, oh, I am this person living this life, doing these things every single day over and over again. It's no, I can break free from that. I can break out of that. I can reinvent myself. And as we, as you mentioned earlier, you know, it's the non-identification with your fear, for example. And traveling shows you that you think you identify with so many things, but actually you are none of those things and you can reinvent yourself and disidentify from parts of you that you want to change, that you no longer identify with. 
Yeah, no, that's that's great. You know, we we usually tend to look for our identity in the environments we're in, and and sometimes there's actually there's something called emotional adaptation where we just get used to environments that are not even good for us, and we just do it because it's what we know, and that's why traveling, especially alone, is so important because we have that opportunity to break free from what we think we knew or who we thought we were, but, and then just discover new things, as you mentioned, like that opportunity for reinvention, to reinvent yourself and just to flow. I think that is such an important word, like to just flow and it's not fixated. It's just like worry about what you control, which is what you can do right now. And and that I think it's great that you went there for two weeks. Now it's been five months and you're just <laughs> being fully present and enjoying your time there. Um, that's really cool. You're just flowing with <laughs> your present life right now. And and that's great. So now that you mentioned about expectations and, you know, breaking free from other people's expectations, what can you tell us about community and the role of connection, connecting to others in overcoming anxiety while traveling? Mm, yeah, so connection, community is one of the most basic needs of humans like we need to feel safe and in order to feel safe yes we can regulate ourselves 100% we can relax our bodies we can deal with our minds but the community the connection our nervous system needs for example eye contact as a signal to tell us that we're safe so when you make eye contact with somebody or, for example, physical touch, those are signals that get sent to our nervous system to let us know that we are safe. So the next time that you connect with somebody, look in their eyes. You know, if you're not a physical touch person, you don't have to, you know, touch anybody. I'm not telling you to go like a crazy person hugging everybody, but it sends signals to our nervous system to let us know that we are safe. And that's the ultimate way of dealing with our anxiety as well. You know, you might notice when you're hugging somebody, when you're connecting deeply, you feel a sense of safety, of peace. And this is also called like co-regulation. When you are, for example, really anxious, like you were mentioning with the, the first podcast that you were like nervous and I was bringing this peace, which I'm really happy to hear. And then you were also more at peace, at ease, even though it was digitally this was co-regulation happening. Our nervous systems were kind of connecting with each other, tuning in on each other. So you might realize this when you are overwhelmed or stressed or anxious and somebody comes and they are just really happy or relaxed or whatever, then you also catch up onto their energy and you automatically also become more relaxed. It's because our bodies attune to each other. And it's also just, you know, the, the latest scientific research about this of our vagus nerve, which is the biggest nerve in our body, which you probably know, right? So yeah. it runs from top of our spine, from our brain, all the way down to the, to the bottom of our spine. It connects basically mind and body. And this vagus nerve gets activated, which we want because then we enter the rest state, right? It gets activated through not only deep breathing, like long exhales, but also eye contact deep connections, meaningful connections, because this is what we are wired for as humans. 
you know, we don't come from living all in our own apartments, all in our own huts. <laughs> we come from living in communities and living with our close ones, with families, with friends, people who we meet. So this is one of the most basic needs of, of humans. So definitely when you travel, traveling solo is an amazing idea, but make sure you carve out time. You actually put in your calendar, like once a week, twice a week, get social. You know, for the introverts here, get social. Even if it feels uncomfortable, we need it. You know that as you mentioned that, I'm one idea that came to my mind was the the role of like of cultural differences. Because, for example, I come from Venezuela. We Latinos or Hispanics are known to be very touchy, like very warm, and a lot of people feels home when they go to some countries in South America. So, you know, I just started talking about that. I just, I just start thinking maybe the physical touch has something to do and just all the conversation yeah. and, and yes. uh, like this massive regulation happening. And when you're traveling and when you're a foreigner visiting one of these countries, which are the ones I, I can speak for, um, all the attention is on you and people wants to hang out with you, wants to be with you. So now like that you mentioned that I can tell why so many foreigners feel at home in in many mm. of these countries. Um, and whereas for, for me coming from this part of the world to the United States, it was a big change because in here is all about the personal space and respecting people's space. And it was just like a big cultural shock for me and and, yeah. you know, every country has its pros and cons, but that part of physical touch and connecting with each other and just like communicating in many different ways, it's it's something that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful, really. It's really a hug. It's a hug for your nervous system. It's a hug for yourself. It's You feel loved. You feel safe. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. Yes. So Anais, what advice do you have for someone who wants to travel, but is struggling with anxiety and fear? What can you say to that person? Yeah, I would definitely say be kind to yourself. Okay. Start off with being kind to yourself. This is not something that is wrong with you. This is not something that you are. Okay, this is something that comes and goes, it passes. So be patient and be kind towards yourself. It's the most important thing to remember. So whenever your anxiety or fear is arising, you can recognize it as something that is temporarily, you know, because it comes, you don't like it, but then it goes away and, and you are more at ease. So it doesn't stay with you forever. Like you don't 100% of the time feel happy or sad or anxious. It comes and it goes. But as we talked about before, having a sort of view on what's in your control and what's out of your control. So be prepared. Be prepared with certain tools, certain things that you can do when you don't feel so good. Watch your breathing, become mindful, become present, download a meditation app or something, get your journal with you, have somebody that you can reach out to talk to. There are so many things that we can do to take care of ourselves. And of course, also with the travel part, with the with what is in your control, planning things. And not like excessively if you don't want to, but at least having a sense of control. Because it can definitely trigger fear and anxiety in you if you don't know where you're going to sleep tonight or tomorrow. Or, you know, if you don't have that flight booked and you keep postponing it, this just builds up stress, fear, worry inside your mind. So try to eliminate that if it's not needed, you know? 
Look at your problems. Look at the way that you're standing in your own way. How how am I sabotaging myself? You know, why am I postponing to book things? This is just adding stress. This is that is unnecessary. You know, so it's also taking a look at yourself, like, huh, why where am I sabotaging? How can I make things easy on myself? So I have everything arranged, everything settled out, and I do not have to worry about that anymore. And the only thing that my mind will worry about, because your mind will always find things to worry about, is what if this happens? What if this goes wrong? What if you miss your flight? What if this happens? And you can let it know, hey, minds, right now I'm trying to enjoy my vacation. So we'll talk later. Right now I'm focusing on my breath. Right now I'm doing this. And having certain routines set up, I feel like is very important. Because at the end of the day, you always go back to your habits, to your routines. What do you do when you wake up? A lot of us, we look immediately at our phones and we get bombarded with notifications, emails, messages. That's not the best way to start your day because then you immediately shift from like a zero to a (laughs) hundred. Your brain goes from a zero to a hundred super fast while you need some time to wake up. So also, how do you start your day? How do you set the tone for your day? Like just reflecting on what is going well and what you can be grateful for, for example, is a beautiful way to shift your perspective. If you wake up with already thoughts running through your mind of, oh, what is going to happen today? Or I'm fearful, I'm anxious, this might happen. Or, or, you know, I'm going on this trip. Shift to, hey, I get to go on this trip. What can you be grateful for? Wow, I'm so grateful that I'm able to travel. I'm able to, you know, experience new opportunities. So shifting our mindset, reflecting on what can you be grateful for, doing a meditation in the morning, doing some yoga, some stretches, going for a walk, anything that makes you feel good, right? And we all know the things that we should be doing. We all know the things that are good for us. And it's just a matter of get up and doing them. So having that before you travel, having your routines settled, it will help you greatly with maintaining those routines when you are traveling. And it's really simple, you know, in the morning or in the evening can be five minutes. doesn't have to be an hour. You don't have to wake up at 5 a.m. and do two, three hours morning routine. It can just be five minutes of journaling, meditation, anything you want. Um, Having that structure set up that you can always fall back to. Because we always fall back to our routines. We always go back to that. It becomes a habit, an automatic thing. And if you can make it something good, something healthy for you, then you're just supporting yourself along the way. Wow. Thank you so much for all those tips. So again, the importance of having a toolkit that, you know, we all need different tools because we're all different individuals and also routine. Um, I, I'm really glad you mentioned about using the phones first thing in the morning. That's like such a waste of our mental energy. That's something I, I'm actually really working on. And I know when I'm traveling, I do it a lot and last time I I was traveling I was just like okay I'm just going to be away from my phone because I know this is no good for me at the moment and it's not letting me be present. Um again as you have been mentioning throughout the episode focusing on what you can control and planning because planning also helps you being in control but also like I will say that leave a space for that you know, for doing something unexpected, for letting you, yourself flow with the moment. Um, so thank you so much. And, and breathing again. So you have made such emphasis on breathing, but yes, it's it's so important. And I know I am missing yeah. some, but those are the ones that stood out for me the most. So thank you so much for everything you shared with us. 
Thank you so much. And Anais, so this is coming to an end. And for anyone that is listening to the episode that wants to get in touch with you, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram. You can look up my name, Anais Kutariotis, or you can look up Serene Minds. Uh, you can also find me, so it's also my website, Serene Minds. You can also find me on Insight Timer. Again, just my name, Anais Kutariotis. I know my last name is a nightmare to type, so apologies. <laughs> no worries. I'll, I'll leave the link to, to your website Perfect. and social media and also um, other resources in the show notes. So, But yeah, thank you so much for your time, Anais, and thank you so much for everything you shared with us. And it was great having you here again, and I'm just excited for everything that you've been doing and creating, and I'm excited for everything that is coming up for you in the future thank you so much the same goes for me and absolutely thankful to be here today and i also love to see you know your growth and i absolutely adore what you're doing um it's such a powerful work for all of our solo female travelers out there <laughs> thank <laughs> you so much thank you bye, bye.